0: Welcome to the conversation for Get Right for Sunday. We are going to discuss the Feast of Pentecost. See, I, I didn't
1: know that this was a feast day. I knew that this was a church holiday. I didn't know that this was a feast day. Because when I when I think of feast days, I think of like saints and individual
0: People, Right. Well, you have the high feast of Easter, the yeah. high feast of Christmas, and uh, Pentecost flows in there. And Pentecost really wasn't established until the 4th century. Really? Yeah. Because what's interesting about that is Pentecost was the transition from Easter into the next season. Right. Uh, so, ascension was, okay, Easter's over, Jesus is ascended into heaven, now we're in the church here. And to have an actual established feast to change and I really like the idea that Jesus has left and as we'll hear in the readings it's not like he's gone away and says hope things work out hope you remember what I taught you good luck right it's I'm leaving and I'm sending the Holy Spirit and the fire tongues and but this is all for Jesus has established and now it's time to get to work yeah. Now it's time for the church. Yeah, that's what you said before we started recording, right. is Easter's over,
1: let's get going.
0: Yeah, and it, it's exciting. So, yeah, feast day of Pentecost, and I also like the idea of feast. Mm-hmm. Now, a little confession, I'm hungry. <laughs> but the idea of feast... Um, food, lavish food, lavish party, and it's a celebration. It's not something we have to do. It's not something we begrudge doing, but it's a celebration. And what better way to celebrate than in church? And I know as a pastor, I'm supposed to say those things, but really, you have the promise of God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost at work, and especially on Pentecost, because this is the foundation of the church, the foundation of the mission, the foundation of all that we do is brought into this celebration. We hear God's word, we feast on the body and blood, and then we go out into the world celebrating what we have received. And so, let's make a deal about this. So then, can I make
1: the request then, can we add food to the feast days? I, like can yeah. we can we have like a, a, a pollock? Yeah, like a pollock. Absolutely. Luncheon? And like, obviously, you know, we're during COVID, we wouldn't do that right now. But you know, I'm a, I'm a little hungry too. We have all these feast days during the church here. Right? Wouldn't it be great yeah. if every time we had a, a high feast day or or you know we're celebrating something, we really did gather around food as a community?
0: Yeah, and, and that's the point I was going to make. How awesome would that be? We hear what God does for us. We hear how we're connected. And then we actually live that out by sharing a meal. We share a table. We talk about our lives. We connect. We build relationship. And then we go out together.
1: Yeah, and I'm not just saying this because I'm after, you know, Grandma Schmidt's lasagna or something. (laughs) But, like, you know, I I think there is something special about sharing a a meal together Mm -hmm. that really binds us. And like you said— really cause us to come together and to leave together. Like, mm. I, I think there's something nice about that, making church not just an event that I as an individual attend, but something
0: we as a community gather to do. Right. I, I, I In my mind's eye, I always think of uh, the funeral meal. Mm. You just did this solemn event, but then you come together as family and as friends. Right. And you console each other. And it's not this weeping and mourning You do what family does. And when family gets together, they do two things really good. They talk and they eat. And if you can (laughs) put that together, then it's amazing. And we as a church should do that often, as much as we can. And Grandma Schmidt should be making lasagna for everybody. And garlic bread. Yes. Oh, yeah. So, this is a feast day. Yeah. What what are we celebrating? So— It's interesting because the gospel lesson is all about Jesus talking about he's going to send the Holy Spirit. But we don't celebrate Holy Trinity until the Sunday after this, when we really focus on the Holy Spirit and the work that he has given to us. And in Pentecost, we see the establishment of the church. Yeah, again, through the Holy Spirit. This connects us back to Jesus in his resurrection, showing up in the upper room and breathing on the disciples. Uh, And it's the idea that the Spirit, the helper, the paraclete, all these uh, synonyms for God, the Holy Spirit, is coming to us to build us up, to bring us into Christ, to remind us of Christ, to put us in Christ, and Christ, 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 Jesus, 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 That is the work of the Holy Spirit. But the big event is the event of Pentecost, which is a real thing. It's not just a church day. It's not just a transition day. Pentecost actually happened. And that's our first reading, our our second reading, the epistle reading in Acts. And so, I, I love this event. So, you have all the disciples, apostles. They're hanging out, and there is this mighty wind. First of all, this wind is so big that the people outside see this, experience it, recognize it as a local event happening in a situation in a particular place. Yeah, um, A couple days ago, it was real windy here, but it was windy everywhere. And so, Jerusalem during Passover swells to well over a million people, and they're able to locate—there's this wind and noise— this place within the city. Mm. I think that's interesting. Then we hear the story of the flame, uh, the tongues of flame. The f- what is it? F- tongues of fire, flames, fire, fire. What, what is tongues, th- tongues as of
1: fire. There we go. Appeared to them and rested on each of them. Yeah. Now, as a kid, and this was just my kid imagination running mm-hmm. wild, I think I imagined like literal, like human tongues
0: that right. were like, yeah. on fire. And I'm not sure that's right. I've always tried to picture this because yeah. I, I, I've done the same thing in, to this day. You know, I think about that. What would a tongue of fire look like? Mm-hmm. And would I be able to tell, oh, that's a tongue? And it's on fire, you know. Or or, or inter- is
1: this just, you know, a, a metaphor of describing what the fire like, right. looked like? Like, yeah. you know, it's, you know, lapping up, it's, you know, kind of right.
0: burning there. It kind of looks like that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I it's interesting. And let your imagination run wild on that, which is good. Because how does that work? How does it look? Who knows? We don't know. Uh, but definitely some fire. Definitely a physical event. And then these apostles, disciples, are able to speak in a different language. I have some questions on this, and I think we should wrestle with this because it's not explained. So, again, Jerusalem swells to a million-plus people because of Passover. People see and hear that this noise wind happens at this one place. Then these men speak in a different language— so that the crowds can hear. Yes. Now, in the, this event in Acts, we don't hear any transition. You know, are they sitting at a table chatting, this noise? Then they get up and walk out. Do they stick their heads out the window and start uh, yelling in different languages? We, we, right. we don't know. We don't know. But somehow they hear right. them talking. And so with that, my first question, and we can wrestle if we want, how do the people, the crowds, how do they hear? And then the more important question that's left hanging, what do the apostles say? And the reason I ask this is they have to say something. It's not that, um, you know, I can say hi in like five different languages. Right. That doesn't matter because that's not a real statement. They say something for the crowd to take notice. Yes. And so it's not just a mere sentence. It's not where's the bathroom. Uh, you know, or anything like that. I really do think that they give—and again, this is my opinion, my thought— I think they give a little mini-sermon. Yeah. Um, nothing long in length because it's multiple people speaking at multiple times and they're not uh, competing against each other. Right. So, do you got any thoughts on that one? Well, I, I think I do want to back
1: up and focus on the fact that— um, these truly are languages from a diverse yes. area and group of people. In fact, the Acts 2 reading lists out where some of these you know residents are from and it's like almost you know half a dozen or more different places that all these people
0: have come from and now they're hearing this in their own language. Yeah, devout men from every nation under the sun, under heaven.
1: Right. Um, which is probably a little bit of hyperbole. Right. Uh, but a lot of people. It, the point is, it's a lot of people from a lot of different places, and they're hearing this in their own language. And I think it, it's not just that it's getting translated to them, it's that mm. the disciples are speaking in their language, right. which they were not trained to do. As one guy says, are these, are those who are speaking not Galileans? Right. What are they doing, yeah. you know, speaking in our language? This is a supernatural act, mm. but it is a supernatural act designed to communicate, yes. which is your point. Mm-hmm. They, it was to communicate something. It wasn't just that they were babbling. It wasn't just like, oh, it's kind of cool that they can, you know, speak Spanish now. You right. know? It wasn't Spanish. Uh, it, it's it's not just the fact that this, there's this supernatural miracle. The point is the communication of the gospel. Yeah. That is the function. That, that is the goal. Of this miracle, and I, I think we shouldn't lose that. Right. Um, obviously, there's some baggage in the United States and around the world today of people who claim to speak in tongues, and oftentimes what they mean is uh, what they would call speaking in the tongues of angels. Yeah, which is not any language that anyone understands. And the problem is that practice does not communicate anything. That practice does not deliver the Word. Right. It's just a quote-unquote miracle for the sake of a miracle. That's not what this is. And that's not really what the Bible talks about either. Right? The Bible talks about speaking in other tongues, other languages for the purpose of communicating the good news. And this has a, a theological implication too, because by performing this miracle, God through the Holy Spirit is communicating to everyone mm-hmm. this message is for you. This message is not just for the Jews who speak Aramaic. Mm -hmm. This message is not just for those even in just the Greek speaking world. This message is for all nations under the sun. Hence why I think that you know, hyperbole is is used there. Why So many nations are listed because the point is that the message of God now goes out to everyone. Right. And this is a really, really big deal and not something we should take for granted because we tend to just assume like, yeah, of course, of course the gospel is for everyone. Well, that would not have been just the automatic assumption of the Jewish people at the time. Oh, yeah. You know, God's people are centralized in this specific people, place, and language. Well, Jesus throughout his ministry really expands that, but it's Pentecost where it
0: explodes. Well, even to go further back, let's, let's do Old Testament. Yeah. When God calls his people, he also says those who live with you, yes. those who are near you, the sojourner, the traveler. It's never only the people no. that I brought out of Egypt, Yes, but it's anybody and everybody who's connected to you. Grab your friends, grab your neighbors, Bra- grab bring your neighbors. Them in. Yeah. But so God's that promises are connected to those people, right. to those people still. Yes. And it's the idea that they're the ones bringing them in. Uh, I'm coming to you. I have something to say for your friend, for your neighbor, and so on and so right. forth. And as you were mentioning with Jesus, when Jesus shows up, he always says, I've come to Israel, I've come to these people. Oh, you're hearing this too? Come on in. Yeah. There's never an exclusion. There's never, oh, not you. Yes. And um, that, that's amazing. But then let's do some even bigger things. Where's Jesus crucified? Outside of Jerusalem. Right. Now, when I say outside, it literally is just outside. But this points to the idea that he's not in the holy city. Where does John the Baptist announce, "Behold the Lamb of God"? outside in the wilderness. yeah. And so we continue to see this this imagery that the gospel is never bound to one single location. It's to be lived out, passed out, and delivered in the wilderness. And I really like that imagery, and especially as you keep bringing up, under heaven, nations under heaven. We continue to do this, and we hear the gospel here at Holy Cross in a location never to be left here. It is to be brought out to our neighbors, our friends, our family, and those who need to hear. And that's the amazing thing about Pentecost. You've been given this gospel. You've been given this gift to tell other people. And how do you do that? How do you communicate that gospel? You do this through your life. You do this through speaking. You don't have to learn a new language to communicate the gospel. Right. You live it out because it has fundamentally changed you. And this is the thing that I think is neat. It's a miracle that these disciples, apostles, are able to then speak a different language to communicate the gospel. Yes, We don't have to do it. We don't have to do it that way. Now, if you want to learn a new language to do that, more power to you, and we will pray and support you, and that's great. But there's so many people in your life. That speak English, <laughs> that you can communicate this to. You know, and it,
1: go out and, and bring them in. Right. You know, like we were talking about the Old Testament. Grab your friends. Right. Grab those who are among you. Bring them in. Pentecost does not
0: change how this works. Mm-hmm. It expands it. Well, and it goes back to your statement and what I keep echoing, the communication of the gospel. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, that's what the Holy Spirit is all about, pointing to Christ and pointing you to him and him to you. And I love that imagery. And that's what we do when we speak. How do I lead other people to Christ? And it's not about me. It's not about having the right words, the right script, the right psychological right. whatever. Am I communicating Christ in my life, in my words, in my thoughts? And that's hard. Yeah. And there's no two ways about it because I'm still sinful. I still mess up. And as nice as it would be to be struck by God's power and might to only say the right things and lead everybody, we're not there. No. We don't have this miracle. But we still have the communication of the gospel being delivered. And that's what we celebrate in Pentecost. It is the Holy Spirit resides within us. Yes. The Holy Spirit has come to the church. Why? It's not so we can say we're filled with the Spirit and have a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling or um, the burning of the bosom. I do hope the Holy Spirit motivates you, and I hope you do feel something. But at the end of the day, it's, have you heard Christ crucified for you? Yeah. Have you told somebody Christ crucified for you?
1: Now, you brought up, you know, miracle And I I was just kind of thinking about this. I think Pentecost is the continuing, the ever-renewing miracle of the church, the ever-coming Holy Spirit. Somebody asked me recently, why does the Holy Spirit come, like, multiple times? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, And that does happen. Like, Jesus breathes on them and gives them the Holy Spirit, like, of 40 days ago. Right. What are they doing receiving the Holy Spirit here? Yeah. And we even today even pray, come Holy Spirit, even though we know we have the Holy Spirit or else we wouldn't have faith. Right. That's the miracle that continually is being renewed here, the Holy Spirit giving faith. We don't just come to faith of our own and, you know, just decide or read a book and be like, yes, I'm a Christian now. Um, all of those things, those people, those those readings and all of those things contribute, but it's the Holy Spirit, which ultimately brings us to faith. And that is a miracle that we continually uh, experience. But what I was uh, trying to say was the Holy Spirit continues to come to us. And that's something that I think we take for granted. The Holy Spirit does not just come once. But mm-hmm. Comes time and time and time again to continually renew us, to renew our faith, to point us to Christ. Mm-hmm. In the gospel reading, Jesus talks about sending this Helper, mm-hmm. who's going to uh, come from the Father. This the Spirit of Truth, and this is this is clearly the the Spirit, the, the Holy Spirit. And he says something interesting towards the end. He says, "When the Spirit of Truth comes, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak." on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. The Holy Spirit's job is not to point to himself, Mm -hmm. but to point to Christ. And I think that's one of the reasons that we often don't hear as much about the Holy Spirit. I know one of the church fathers kind of said he was the shy one of the Trinity. Right. And really the, the thing is, he is pointing us To Christ. He's pointing us to faith. And we need that constantly. It's not just a one time event Mm -hmm. where this happens once and now you have it. But every time we engage with our faith, every time we have that that faith grow, renew, our our trust in, in Jesus and God the Father is enriched, that is the Holy Spirit coming and working upon us. That doesn't mean we ever lose it. right? You know, it doesn't mean that like Holy Spirit's now and he's gone. Right. But it does mean that the Holy Spirit comes from the father through the son time and time and time again. And we can pray to the Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit, renew my faith, Mm -hmm. form me, transform me to be like Christ. Give me the words to say, help me to go out to my neighbor. I mean, for uh, looking at the Acts 2, Peter gives this great sermon. This is a uh, Simon foot-in-his-mouth Peter yeah. speaking here, and he does this through the Holy Spirit. We can lean on and rely on the Holy Spirit to do what he does, to point to Christ and to help us to do the same.
0: Well, I really like the imagery, you know, again, the idea that the Holy Spirit continues to come, continues to deliver His gifts, continues to pointing to Christ. And it's it's an ebb and flow of life and so on and so forth. Yeah. But very much like what you said, it's not, I have the Holy Spirit, I don't have Him. I have Him, I don't, so on and so forth. But I also would like to attach this to our baptism hmm. and the idea that we are baptized. That's a one-time event. Yes. But what do we do? We continually return to our baptism. It doesn't mean that we daily go back to the baptismal font, splash some water in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But we return back to where God has promised to act, work, and deliver his goods. We are again reminded this happened and this is for you for me. And I like the gospel lesson, St. John 16, 4, and this is Jesus speaking, but I have said these things to you that when the hour, their hour comes, you may remember that I have told them to you. And I love this because Jesus is really saying, hey guys, remember everything that I said, taught, yeah. and showed you? I'm doing all of this so you'll remember. This connects us back to baptism. This connects us back to every service, every proclamation of the gospel. It is to reaffirm the work that God has given. And the Holy Spirit comes in and says, remember when Jesus told you. Yeah. Remember when Jesus died. Remember when Jesus forgave you. Remember when Jesus. Remember Jesus. Remember Jesus. And um, I like the idea of um, who's uh, Basil, uh, as you quoted, uh the Holy Spirit is the shy one of the Trinity. I like to say that uh, the, whole, uh, the Holy Spirit is the Ringo Star of the <laughs> Trinity, because you still need the drummer. He's the one that keeps the beat, keeps everybody in time, but he's the guy in the back. Mm-hmm. You know, you see the lead singer, you see the lead guitarist, and the drummer is just there. Um, and not that the Holy Spirit is just this there, but he really is the one pointing. He is the one delivering. He is the one. And as you were talking about the idea that the Holy Spirit only says what has been given to him, that's the same thing that Jesus says. Yeah. The Father has given this to me to tell to you. Right. And so now you got. Jesus, second person, Holy Ghost, third person, all doing what the Father said. And we see this intimate, intimate connection of God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, working for your salvation. And that's one of the neat things that I really love about Pentecost and then Holy Trinity. It's always God and the mystery of the Trinity. Yeah, we're focusing on the Holy Spirit doing and working, but he's only pointing to Christ who is only pointing to the Father, who is sending Christ and the Holy Spirit so that you will know salvation. And this is just huge. It's all relational. And I like the idea, again, going back to the feast idea. Mm -hmm. It's the relationship that you get to hear, know your God, your Father, your brother, Jesus, through what the Holy Spirit has revealed to you. What better way to do that than sitting in the pew, having this delivered to you with your brothers and sisters. Yeah. And then coming to the feast of heaven, the very body and blood, to be filled, healed, and completed, and sustained, to return to the hardships of this world, knowing that you're never alone. Yeah. And that you have, and I really appreciate their statement, the continued miracle of the Holy Spirit coming to you. I think that's huge. Thank you for listening to Get Right for Sunday. I know that your time is valuable, and of all the things that you could have watched or listened to, you have chosen to deepen your biblical understanding with Get Right for Sunday. Would you take a moment to give a five-star rating of this podcast on apple podcast or your favorite podcast platform this actually helps others to be able to find get right for sunday again thank you for your time your prayers and support